I'm going to preach something unique today by title, but I'll tie it all back around because this service is set up today uh, to confirm that the Lord wants to say what He gave me this morning. Amen? So I'm not going to read a text today traditionally as we normally get started. Uh, I'll get around to a text, but I want to lay a foundation for just one moment this morning, if you'll bear with me and let me do so, and uh, then we'll get to where the Lord wants to take us, and maybe it'll make sense. I'm going to preach this morning why Jesus isn't what you need. Now, if you've been listening and paying attention and worshiping in this same service that I've been in this morning, everything they've told us from the opening note has been that he is what we need. But I'm going to preach to you today and try to tie it around why Jesus isn't what you need. Lord, we love you today. I thank you for your people. I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to stand here today to deliver what you've laid upon my spirit. I pray, God, you would anoint, you would bless, you would touch. God, touch every hearer today, Lord, that they would leave here with a greater understanding of who you are in this place today. Do the work that only you can do. And we give you all the glory and all the praise. Somebody said in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. The man, Christ Jesus, is such a polarizing and captivating figure. Um, there is more literature written about him than any other man that has ever walked the earth. To attempt to paint a picture of Jesus to the world, it took four gospel writers. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all told the story of the same man yet from a different perspective. Each of these writers took their pen in hand and they began to write about Jesus targeting different audiences and highlighting a different purpose, all to give us a unique perspective on his life. And when you put them all together, the four Gospels, in collective harmony and concert, give us a complete picture of who Jesus was and what he accomplished during his earthly ministry. Stay with me. We're heading somewhere today. The task of identifying him was so great that even the last in the list, John, closed his book by saying, if I told you everything, all the books in the world would not be adequate to handle and contain the totality of his greatness. And that, my friends, is Jesus. We love him in this place this morning. We worship him in this place this morning. No doubt you love him or you would not have come to this house today. So theologians, in an effort to help the gospel writers aid in our understanding, have given each gospel a symbol to communicate the distinctives of their respective accounts. First comes Matthew. And if you read these things, you'll find that Matthew is symbolized by a lion. And he writes to represent Jesus' strength and his royal authority. Matthew writes to a Jewish audience, and he is trying to break through their religious rhetoric to prove that Jesus was the promised Messiah of old-time prophecy. 
because he understood something we need to understand. Until you know who he is, you can never appreciate what he does. Behind Matthew comes Mark, which is symbolized by a bull or an ox. This distinction is used to represent Jesus' service and power. Mark is targeting the Gentile, particularly Roman citizens of his day, and he focuses on Jesus as a servant who ministers to the physical and spiritual needs of others. Behind Mark comes Luke. He symbolizes Jesus with the figure of a man. This perspective represents Jesus' wisdom and character. Luke is a Gentile, and he's writing to other Gentiles. His account is very universal. It covers us all. It portrays Jesus as the compassionate Savior of the world with a love for all people. Whether they be rich or poor, Jew or Gentile, he reaches out to all, especially to women and to the lower class and to the outcast of society. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful today for the things I find in Luke's work because Luke emphasizes the work of the Spirit and the central place and power of prayer in Jesus' life and ministry. It's here that I realize in the book of Luke that it doesn't matter where I start. I don't have to come from the prominent family today. I don't have to be born into prestige or privilege, but through prayer this morning and the power of His Spirit, I can change the man that I was and live the life that He intends for me to live abundant and rich through his mercy and grace. And finally, we have John. John, the disciple that pegged himself the one that Jesus loved. John, who stepped back to the beginning when God was just a word, a preceding word that spoke the world into existence. And that word became flesh and it dwelt among us from the very beginning. John is painting a different picture. Therefore, John is symbolized by an eagle because John's story represents Jesus' deity. And he declares very plainly in John 20 and 31 his intent that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. His focus is on the theological meaning of Jesus' actions rather than just the actions themselves. He's the one that emphasizes who Jesus is more so than what he does because at the end of the day, he is simply and confoundingly God manifest in the flesh worthy of all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Come on, somebody. And when you get them all together, we get a picture of a Savior or a look at one who was, is, and always will be, as the songwriter penned, all we need. Is anybody thankful for that Jesus today? Come on, that whatever you have need of, he can step in and be the answer. Come on, he's that God today. 
Come on, he's my strength and he's my stability. He's my power and he's my provision. He is compassionate and he is caring and he is the giver of eternal life. He is the Lord and he is God. Come on, I need somebody to identify with your response today that you know who this Jesus is. Come on, something ought to get a hold of us when we hear his name. Some praise ought to well up in our spirit. We ought to begin to magnify and exalt his name. We ought to lay down worry. We ought to step over fear. We ought to forget about pride and everything that tries to steal it from us and just magnify his name. What are you trying to do this morning, Brother Hodge? I'm trying to do what I know. If you'll touch Jesus, he'll visit you with his power. If you'll draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to you. If you've been empty and you've been deserted and you've been feeling like you've got no hope, I'm here to tell you, you're opening your mouth today to praise a God that can move in this house and touch you where you are. Come on, somebody, you don't need a crafty sermon today. You just need the touch of God. This is a great church, but you don't need the touch of this church today. You need the touch of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, come on. We used to sing that old song, one touch of his hand and my troubles are gone. One touch of his hand and I'm not left alone. One touch of his hand, the blind I see, the captives go free, worries disappear. Come on, somebody, put your hand in his hand today. And in this crazy world, I've just determined I'm going to preach Jesus stronger than ever. I'm going to declare him stronger than ever. Come on, I've been in this a long time. I know today without him, our programs, they just simply don't work. I know without him, we don't possess the resources that we need to get you free. Come on, somebody, we're not so arrogant that we've walked into this place today to tell some self-help stories and give you an action plan to implement in your life but we walk in the simplicity of knowing who he is and when you get a glimpse of who he really is you'll get all you need We preach him because it is he that got us free. We declare him because it is he that brought us out. He gave us new life. He broke those chains of bondage. He broke those chains of addiction. He broke those chains of oppression and depression. Oh, call us crazy if you want to, but we've just been delivered by the hand of a mighty God today. I just stopped by to tell you today, we found an answer in this house, and his name is Jesus. Why is this so important this morning? Because outside of him, there simply is nothing else. And because the enemy understands it, 
And because the world system understands it, there's a strong thrust in the land today to diminish and to destroy the lordship of Jesus Christ. They say today, if you'll listen, that he was just a man. They say today, if you'll listen, that he was nothing more than just a good prophet or a good teacher. They say that he was not God. But I stand today like Peter did when confronted with the question because my revelation of him today is not affected by what they say. I say this morning because I've met him. He is Lord and he is the Christ. He is my everything and he is my all. Because today you will never stand with keys in your life until you get a revelation of who he is in your life. Come on, somebody. He's my friend when I don't have another friend. He's my doctor when I'm sick. He's my way when there seemeth to be no way. He is Lord of all. He is Alpha and Omega. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end and in all that is in between. He's still the lily of the valley and the bright and the morning star. He's my hope. He's my peace. He's my joy and he's my strength. Pardon me just a moment while I love on Jesus today. Come on, somebody ought to praise him today because you know him. Oh, I so wish I could do him justice today. I so wish I could declare him to you today. I so wish I could help you know him today. He was Calvary's lamb, but he's our redeemer. He was Satan's thorn, but he's our comfort. He was the Jewish ruler and leader's competition, but he is our full completion today. There's just nobody like Jesus. There's just nobody like Jesus. I said there's just nobody like Jesus today. You can search this world over this morning. You can go from North Pole to South Pole. You can go as far as the east is from the west. And when you get through searching, Jesus will still be Lord. Somebody give him praise today. I wish you could feel what I feel this morning. I can hardly even contain myself when I start preaching and thinking about Jesus and all that he's done for me. I get excited. My Holy Ghost swells up. My joy becomes uncontainable. Why? Because I've had an encounter with him and it's left me forever changed. I've never been the same since at eight years old. I knelt at an altar under the, under the pool and the, and the anointing of the Lord. Lord, it was drawing me that day, just an eight-year-old boy sitting in a service, hearing the Word of God preach. It began to tug at my spirit and tug at an eight-year-old heart, and I knelt, and God filled me with His Spirit, and I met a man unlike any I've ever met before, and my life has been forever marked by one encounter and one touch of His Spirit.
it ought to be real to you. It ought to move you still. When you think about that day that God looked past all your failures and all your mistakes and he wiped the record clean and he let his spirit come in and dwell you afresh and anew and he made you a new creature. Behold, all things have become it ought to still excite you. It ought to still do something to you. It ought to still move you when you think about that day. I had the privilege of teaching on the new birth Wednesday in our class here. And I told that class, I said, I could still remember the smell of the wood on that altar. When I began to think about that day, I still can remember it so vividly because it was a day that forever marked my life. I'm telling you today, if you've not met him like that, you need to meet him like that before you leave this building today. And the good thing is, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he's done for these that are helping me today, he can do for you in this place this morning. Oh, he's the great paradox of the ages. He confounds the wise, but yet the very simple can recognize him. You can't categorize Jesus today, there's no box to put him in. You can't label him. You can't quantify him or measure him. The scripture said of him, he is above all, through all. And thank God in us all. He is the king of all the kings and lord of all the lords. He is God, robed in flesh. The intangible now made tangible. The invisible now made visible. The gospel singer sang, our best sentiment can't nobody. Do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. He's my friend. Anybody found him to be a friend today? Anybody can say, Can't nobody do me like Jesus? I wish somebody just give him praise. I wish you'd lay down tomorrow. I wish you'd lay down yesterday. I wish you'd forget about all that's on the agenda even for today. And say, Lord, for just a few moments, I will remember your name. And I will bless you in this house. Oh, hallelujah. When I think of his goodness. And all he's done for me, I could praise him. Somebody lift him up. Somebody magnify him today. I got to get to where I'm going and this voice is going to be gone. Pastor sent me the message. I said, yes, sir, I'm ready. I, I'll go as long as my voice will hold up. I missed them crawfish yesterday. I was trying to stay out of that weather so I could be here today. Amen. Not because I knew I was preaching. I didn't even know then. I just wanted to be in the house of the Lord. 
because he's that real to me. <laughs> that lady that came limping down that aisle just a few moments ago on that cane taught us, uh, if you ain't dead, you might as well be in the house of the Lord. It was everything we could do to contain her for eight weeks and leave her in that home when we were here having church because she raised us that the house of God is the most important thing in your life and you need to be there every time there's an opportunity because you never know what the Lord has planned and in store. You never know if today's going to be for you or if you're just needed to help somebody else find him. Oh, hallelujah. Isaiah's prophecy declared of him that when his spirit-infused body made contact with this earth, that every valley would be exalted, that every mountain and hill would be made low, and the crooked paths would be straightened, and the rough places made smooth. And this is the greatest. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. Isaiah said, when you see him, you're going to see the glory of God manifested. John the Baptist said this, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. When he finally stepped on the scene, after 400 years of a silent heaven, John could hardly contain himself. And he started preaching. This is the one I've been preaching about. The one that's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. John said I saw and now bear record that this is the son of God Peter stepped up on the day of Pentecost still drunk or intoxicated on the Holy Ghost but with a very sound mind and an anointing and mandate from heaven and he said these things let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus whom you have crucified both Lord and Christ brothers and sisters the scripture is full today and running over with example after example example of why Jesus Christ is all you would ever need. Allow me just a moment to prove it to you today. He cleansed the leper in Matthew 8 and 2, proving he was Lord over incurable disease. He healed Peter's mother-in-law in Matthew 8 and 5, proving he was Lord over simple sickness. He calmed the storm in Mark 4, 35, proving he was Lord over all the situations of life. He raised Jairus' daughter, Luke 9, 54, proving he was Lord over dead and impossible situations. He healed the issue of blood in Mark 5 and 25 proving he was Lord over lingering and nagging problems. In 9 and 32 of Matthew, he cast out a devil proving he was Lord over every spiritual attack. He fed 5,000 in John 6 and 1 proving that he was the provider of our natural needs. He put tax money in the fish's mouth in Matthew 7 
17 and 24, proving that he was our provider of our financial needs. He escaped a hostile multitude that wanted to kill him in Luke 4 and 30, proving that he will be your way out. He healed a man born blind, proving that he was Lord over problems that aren't your fault. And he went to a wedding one time, and he turned water into wine, proving he was Lord over problems that may be your fault. Friends, today, I'm telling you, you can't think of a problem that Jesus can't solve. There's nothing bigger than him. There's nothing stronger than him. There's nothing greater than him. Can somebody say amen? So, why are you're still wrestling with your same problem. Why is it then, if all this is true, that he has not yet become what you need? Boy, it's nice to listen to that preacher talk about all he's done for them. Why are you still sick, though? Why are you still broke? Why can't you escape the cycles of life? Why isn't Jesus what you need him to be? Matthew 13, 54. Traditional now, let's get a text. Gives us some insight. And when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue in so much that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty Works Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are not they all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. If you read that in the um, message translation, I believe, it says this. They got their noses out of joint. You ever seen people with that look? What are he talking about? They were offended. They got their noses out of joint. That word offended is, is where we take our English word scandal when you trace it back. They were looking at him with their noses all out of joint like he was some kind of scandalous man that had walked in here. Who, who, who is this? And Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Jesus is out in the surrounding areas. He's been performing many of the miracles I just shared with you. He has multitudes following him by now. And here he comes home. And at first they were astonished. They were in awe of his wisdom. They stood in amazement of his actions. But instead of keeping their wonder of him and their awe of him, they traded it for familiarity. You see, the loss of his mystery led to a loss of his majesty. 
Would you grab a hold of that thing? The loss of his mystery led to a loss of his majesty. Because the more they knew, somehow, some way, the less they believed. Oh, hear me, Pentecostals. Our knowledge of his works should never replace the wonder of his person. But our knowledge should fuel our wonder. What do I mean when I say our wonder? Our wonder concerning him is twofold. Here comes the English teacher today. First, it's a noun denoting a feeling of surprise. It's like the butterflies you used to feel when you would see that special someone. Y'all remember that? It's a feeling that's birthed out of admiration for something beautiful, something unexpected, unfamiliar, and even unexplainable. It's all, it's fascination. You can't relay with words, but you just feel it. And that's what the writer was trying to tell you when he said, it's joy unspeakable, full of glory. It's those sweaty palms and nervous energy. It's expectation. And this feeling is so strong that it can't stay a noun. But it morphs into a verb and it becomes intense curiosity and an undeniable desire to know more about him. Not simply for the fact of just knowledge, but to deepen the feeling and intensify the senses and to sustain the passion. It started the journey in the first place. It was never the intention for the feeling to get weaker. But always the goal to keep the feeling and to make it grow stronger. And the only weapon against this is to become too familiar. To lose the unexpected, to lose the blind faith of the mystery and to become so knowledgeable that we think there is nothing more to learn or to encounter or to experience. You know what I say? I say, sorry, John. That's really why he didn't let you write everything. Not because it was physically impossible, but because he wanted me to be filled with some wonder. <laughs> more than just knowledge. Ah, oh, come on. Of the beauty of eternity, we're told that he has given us only but a glimpse. Gates of pearl, walls of jasper, streets of gold, crystal seas. Yet the half has not been told. Why? Because he still wants me to wake up every morning with a little wonder. He still wants me to wake up every morning with a little anticipation. Just to talk to you, Lord. Just to find out what this thing is all about. I don't want to know it all. I don't want to obtain it all. I want to come to you daily and learn more about you every single day. That I open my mouth and I open my spirit and I get in your presence. I want the wonder of your presence to draw me back with expectation and with faith to the prayer room again, to the altar again, to the house of the Lord again and again and again and again. Even though I've been in this all my life, there's still so much I've got to meet and I've got to know and I've got to learn about this man called Jesus I don't want it so I can get credit from the pastor 
I want it because I can't wait to feel his presence again. He wants us to enter this house of worship, not because we're supposed to be here, but because our wonder, those butterflies, that anticipation. I wonder if anybody woke up with that this morning. That when you open your eyes, you were thankful. You were like David when he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house. And I believe that we have been so spoiled by his presence sometimes and his goodness sometimes and how he has revealed himself to us. And I fear in our arrogance and our confidence of knowledge that sometimes we have lost our wonder. And because of the loss of our wonder, sadly, he can't work for us like he wants to. I read 58 to you. He did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. They traded their faith for familiarity. They traded their expectancy for explanations and the passion became offense. Oh my goodness. Because when you think you know more than you do, you move out of the promise of faith and into the prison of offense. I could park the car right there and preach all day about why we've become so easily offended. Why the spirit of offense is running so rampant among the church today. But I'll just move on by telling you your offense began when your wonder faded. So I've simply come on this Sunday morning to ask this church, are we going to be satisfied with a portion of Jesus? A few miracles here and there, a little touch here and there. Or do we truly want his fullness today? See, I believe that God ordains every step that we take. I believe God ordains everything. And I believe today I'm preaching to this church in due season in the timing ordained of God to tell you it's time to fall in love with Jesus again. It's time for this man holding the microphone to rediscover him to be astonished again, to be amazed again, to build new stories, to have new experiences. Hear me today where there is no wonder, no expectancy, no faith. There will be no mighty works, but it's all predicated upon your spirit towards him. Isaiah 9 and 6 has become a scripture that I believe, Pastor, has come up in every lesson that we have taught in this opening session of Exploring God's Word in this sanctuary. And I mentioned this to the class this Wednesday. And I'm getting ready to close. <clears throat> Isaiah 9 and 6 said, And his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The first thing he must be and forever remain to you is Wonderful. See, I believe he'll never be your counselor if he doesn't remain wonderful. He'll never be the mighty God to you that you need if he doesn't first remain wonderful. He can never be your everlasting father if he doesn't remain wonderful. He can never be your prince of peace if he doesn't remain first wonderful. And I've come to preach to you and plead with you if you need 
And many of you have, but many still need to find the wonder of him again. Turn off the news. Log off Facebook if you have to. Forget about all the cares. Forget about what the CDC said and the White House said. And whoever's talking that's got you chasing after whatever it is and find yourself some time and plant yourself in a place of prayer and find the word of God again and begin to hear what the Lord has said about you find your wonder again come on we are in this world but we are not a part of this world the things that are meant to fall on this world are not meant to fall upon us and I wonder b before we leave uh, today, uh, I wonder if someone would say, uh, I need to discover him again. Uh, I need to find him again. Uh, you know what I wish? I wish some new wonder would break out uh, in this place today. I wish somebody would remember where he found you. I wish today somebody could lay down our Pentecostal traditions, our prides. Oh, come on and just get lost in the wonder of his presence. That's what pastor was preaching last week when he was telling you you've got to learn to give God praise. You've got to learn. You know why? There's a scripture that said you call your walls salvation but you call your gates praise. We love to speak about our walls and our protection but they're defended at the gate of praise. Something has got to ring out of me if I want to enjoy the safety of all God has. Would you stand across the building today? Come on, if I preached anything that's resonated with the Spirit, I won't stand here and beg you today. I won't stand here and continue. There's more on these pages. But the Lord is in this place right here, right now, at this very moment. And if I've stirred something in your spirit today, I urge you, just come say something to him. Just come let him know today by the identity of your stepping out and moving forward. Lord, I want to find you again. I don't want to get caught up in all that I know, but I want to rediscover your goodness and your glory again. Is there anybody that feels that way? Would you like to come today and talk? Talk to him in this place. Is there anybody that says, oh, Lord, it's gotten a little familiar for me. It's become routine, and it's become going through the motions. But today, Lord, I'm going to rededicate. Today, God, I'm going to make a commitment anew. I'm going to make a commitment afresh. I'm going to visit some old landmarks, and I'm going to reestablish a path. Would you come today? and give it praise.